Welcome to the Nativist Podcast, where we tap into our instinct and natural power to live intuitively. The ultimate goal is to leave the world healthier and more beautiful than we found it. It all starts on the individual level by cultivating our mind-body connection. Whether you're on a healing journey or just want to look and feel your best, I hope by the end you feel a little happier, a little more inspired, and a little more invested in yourself and the world. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nativist Podcast. Today's episode will again be a solo podcast, and it will be again a topic that was requested by a listener. So thank you so much for requesting. This is a topic that is often covered, but this will, I think, have a fresh spin on it. Hopefully, again, you find value as with anything that I do. That's the main goal, but this is a heavy hitting one and it might seem surface level and feel good at first, but we're gonna get deep, y'all. So tell me what you think about this at the end. Leave a comment, leave a review, reach out. Tell me your experience. I'd love to hear it all. And I'm really gonna get vulnerable. I'm really going to share a personal experience that I went back and forth on whether or not I wanted to share. It's recent, it's deep, it's personal. But you know what? I'm here to speak my truth. I tried to balance speaking my truth with respecting those involved. And I think I feel good about how it's come out. Hopefully everybody else agrees, but if they don't, it's my truth. And it is what it is, right? All I can do is my best. So what we're gonna talk about today is self-love and what that really looks like. So I wanna preface by quoting Maya Angelou. She is incredible. She was incredible. And her quote is, I learned a long time ago, the wisest thing I can do is be on my own side. Words of wisdom, so powerful. And as I said, this topic was requested by a follower and they also acknowledged that it is already talked about so much, but we need it more than ever. And word, I completely agree. That's exactly right. Opinions and guidance on this topic are ubiquitous, right? We hear about it all the time. It's constantly referenced and encouraged and celebrated and highlighted. We see multiple quotes about it on social media. Everybody's talking about it. And they should, don't get me wrong. There should be multiple references to this because it is very important. But I think much of that guidance is incomplete. And dare I say much of it, though not intentionally, misleads. And here's why. Self-care we often hear about entails feel-good self-care. That's typically what comes to mind, right? I mean, I won't speak for you, but that seems to be what comes to mind for most people. Immediate, automatically soothing self-care. You know, massages, baths, naps, etc. Don't get me wrong, these are an integral part of self-care, sure, but they're just that, a part. If you rely solely on them, you'll only get partial and temporary results. And think about your personal experience with the lighter side of self-care. Does it feel like you can never get enough? Like you're always in the hole? Do you feel like even when you get a massage or extra sleep, though it feels good in the moment and might have lingering effects for like a few hours, it doesn't quite hit the true spot? It doesn't extend far down enough as if maybe all the bubble baths in the world won't quite ease the heaviness. So what else does self-care entail, particularly if you want lasting true results? Results as in a life and body you don't constantly need to recover from and escape. Okay, let's talk about it. Self-reflection. I'm not talking the surface self-check-in, safe from the reach of heaviness and repressed emotions. 
I'm talking about digging in, getting still and real with yourself, leaning into your shadows, facing the stuff that brings you to your knees, practicing radical self-honesty, not letting yourself off the hook, staying put physically, mentally, and emotionally, and riding the waves of shame, gritting your teeth and illuminating those areas where you feel scared, inadequate, defeated, unpacking why you feel what you feel, gently but firmly leveling with yourself. I know this sounds gnarly. I know it sounds unpleasant. And while this can be done on your own, it also helps to have a caring objective and honest third party to spotlight your blind spots and offer perspective. This can be a therapist, a trusted confidant. And while I highly recommend having that outside perspective can be invaluable, it's also crucial you learn to sit with yourself and truly explore your depths alone without distraction. You have all the answers you seek within yourself. You just have to tune in. And that goes back to the reason why I called this the nativist. The intention behind it was to reconnect with yourself, to know that you have all that you need within yourself. This doesn't mean that we shouldn't connect with others. That's an important part of life too. But we have what we need within ourselves. We can fulfill ourselves. Walk through the fire, the fire that cleanses and purifies and refines. And just dancing around it with affirmations and inspirational quotes just won't do it. It just won't. And again, I strongly advocate affirmations and inspirational quotes. Man, I have a mantra Monday that I do every Monday where I share a mantra. But these aren't a cure-all. They're not the whole thing. They're just a part of your toolbox. The fire is there waiting to burn away what no longer serves you and forge you into whom you are meant and deserve to be. I see self-love as a mode of self-empowerment. What a great frame of reference, right? See it as self-empowerment. Self-love calls for you to honor yourself, and this means not betraying yourself. And we'll get into how I betrayed myself here in a minute. And not betraying your truth, not violating your boundaries with yourself and with others, not carrying what isn't yours to carry. I know I've talked endlessly about the importance of boundaries, but it's a thing. It's important. They are so crucial. Okay, time to get vulnerable, time to really open up about a recent experience that I had, and this was a life-changing experience. This is big, and it might not hit as heavy with you, obviously, because if you haven't lived it, but I'm telling you, this was transformative for me, and it really opened my eyes. Okay, here we go. I have been single for almost all of my life, and I did a recent post on this too. Um, As I outlined in that previous social media post, I don't believe there's a simple reductive reason why. I mean, people have multiple theories on why this is and suggestions and whatever. And as with anyone, there are multiple contributing factors as to why we're each in our current life statuses, right? I mean, if you're married, it wasn't because of just one choice in your life that you made. A series of choices led you to be able to get married to... I mean, you can really go deep into that rabbit hole, right? So just suffice to say, we're where we are in our lives right now because of multiple reasons. Okay, so that being said, for many years, I let myself believe I was perma-single because I was somehow deficient for whatever reason. Maybe I was missing a chip preventing me from falling in love. I mean, my friends and I used to call me the ice queen 
for how emotionally uninvested I could be. I could go ice cold. And then in my mid-20s, I fell hard for someone. Went all in. Fell totally in love. And spoiler alert, it didn't work out. So it wasn't that I couldn't fall in love. No, I could fall in love. Okay, so new theory. What else? Hmm. Well, maybe I'm just too picky or independent or commitment averse or wild. Um, Maybe I'm just a self-sabotager. I mean, here I am defying the norm and expectations by daring to still be single into my 30s. Wow, how dare I? (laughs) Surely that's pathological, right? We just, you just don't do that. It's just not normal. Something must be wrong. I'm supposed to be married with kids by now. Or so my immediate society continually preached and continually preaches. So as another relationship fell through, uh, almost always from me bailing, these theories really solidified. They really took hold. My self-concept as a broken person in desperate need of healing really gelled. So with this mindset, I entered my most recent relationship. And I even warned this new boyfriend about my resistance. And I said, hey, you got to be on the lookout. It will soon set in and I will start to pull away. And you should just power through and not take it as personal. And he listened to me and he heeded it. Okay, so fast forward a few weeks into the relationship and the resistance was not letting up in fact it was deepening intensifying despite my best attempts at dissolving it i was trying everything we argued often and intensely essentially without getting into details and specifics and pointing fingers it basically came down to incompatibility of our wants and needs in a relationship different ideas of what a healthy relationship looks like Um, almost always my resistance and issues were cited as the troublemakers And I allowed that. I continually beat myself up for not being a better partner, for falling short, for not doing more, being more, saying more, for feeling resistance, for feeling frustrated and resentful. I would just get so angry. Throughout my life, I've tried being everything to everyone, the best girlfriend, the best sister, the best friend, the best daughter, the best employee, the best light bringer, the best ally the ultimate fixer, fixer, the savior to all. I had a few friends going through extremely tough times, especially at this point when I was in this most recent relationship, and it was rough, and constantly being there for them consumed much of my mental and emotional bandwidth, plus this account. I mean, I'm not talking about just surface level stuff. I go down and deep in all that's been going on this year with COVID and racism movement and all of that, that takes a toll and it takes a lot out of you. I was just trying to be the best for everyone. I was reading all these anti-racism books and trying, I was on suicide watch with my friends and I was trying to be a good employee. And like I said, just being everything to everyone. And I just felt depleted. I felt maxed out and depleted from giving it my all and having it still not be enough. And how did I know it wasn't enough? Because I was told it wasn't enough. So I accept the blame for the relationship storms. Clearly, I was just too selfish. He was prioritizing me to the absolute max, and he really was. Almost anything he requested, he gave. So it's not like he wasn't asking for what he wasn't willing to give, but he went 100% all in. So he gave maximum time, maximum attention, maximum focus, maximum words of affirmation, like more than I have ever received ever from any one person in my entire life. And it honestly was overwhelming and actually exhausting 
and not because I just can't accept and receive love. That wasn't it. It was, again, we just had very different ideas of what a relationship requires and entails, what a healthy relationship requires and entails. So it sounds like a dream, right? Like he's just showering me with attention and affection, yet I felt exhausted. So I tell myself, well, maybe I've just been on my own for too long. Maybe I was too set in my ways. I just needed to get over myself and prioritize him more, give him more, give him what he was wanting and needing. With this relationship, I actually truly wanted to make it work. I really, really did. In past relationships, I'd usually jump ship at the first sign of conflict. You know, I'd be like, okay, well, clearly it's not meant to be. But with this one, I was like, no, I'm determined to make it work. I'm determined to get over myself and make it work. I'm determined to work through the suck, to go all in, to come out the other side. I wanted my first and lasting success story. I really actually did care about him too. I interpreted my resentment, anger and frustration regarding our relationship as weaknesses, not red flags. My mistake. Finally, he had had enough. What would both had enough be? He was brave enough to call it quits. I was still stuck in, I just need to be more and do more. So resentment was building on both sides for opposite reasons. And even though I was pissed when he called to break it off, it still stung. I remember thinking, oh man, this could really shatter me. Because though I was deeply relieved that it was over, I was also initially deeply hurt. It felt like a giant confirming dose of you're a shitty partner and will never give enough or be enough, no matter how hard you try. So let the shame storm commence. Really lean into that. I bathed in the shame and dejection for about two hours. Then one of my closest friends called about something unrelated. And when I broke the news to her, she immediately urged me to fight for the relationship, to not give up. And she's such a solid friend. And she was like, I will fly there with you. I will do whatever you need me to do. Fight for it. She urged me to fight for my relationship with him like I'd fought for my friendship with her. And as I sat there considering it, I felt a sense of bone deep calm just wash over me. I suddenly felt completely at peace with how things turned out and had absolutely no desire to change them. I had no desire to fight for him. I had no desire to make it other than what it was. It just felt right. The ending of it just felt right. And the next day I woke actually feeling hopeful and I had expected to just go through the storm for months you know I felt like there'd be some after effects and I'd really be feeling down and out for a while nope the next morning I woke up feeling upbeat later that day my best friend called to discuss the breakup and though I didn't feel down and out like I expected I did still carry some heaviness of believing the failed relationship was largely my fault I viewed it as confirmation I simply wasn't cut out for a lasting relationship and I would just make peace with that Thank God for her and my my best friend. As wise as she is, she called BS. As always, she listened actively and patiently. And then she cut straight through the noise and cut right to the core. And she noted how I'd never faulted or shamed him for his needs. Wow, that was an aha moment for me. She also gently averred I wasn't honoring my needs. I was so focused on his unmet needs I wasn't asserting my own. I wasn't tapped into what I needed out of the relationship and I wasn't advocating for those needs. It was one of the biggest clarifying and validating moments of my entire life. Total breakthrough. I had recently 
vaguely actually started to notice I had always been more concerned with what I brought to relationships than what I wanted or required from them. And that's good to an extent, sure. I mean, it's not just about looking for what you'll get out of a relationship. You also have to concern yourself with what you bring to the relationship too, being the best that you can and accommodating their wants and needs as well. But I was way too far out of balance on the other side of the spectrum. I was so focused on being more, doing more, being enough, doing enough. And I wasn't focused on what I needed. And I'm not saying I'm a total innocent who only gives and never takes in relationships or in general. No, I can take and I do take. But in trying to be everything to everyone, I had lost myself. I'd not only stopped advocating for what I needed or wanted, I also stopped identifying what I needed or wanted and or wanted. And I remember thinking those words had kind of come to me just hazily, hadn't really like dialed into or clarified them. But I remember that verbiage and then I remember my best friend saying exactly that. You've lost yourself in that process of trying to accommodate them. Wow. Wow. So stay with me. I'm tying this back into self-love. I swear this all ties together. This isn't just a tangent heart confessional that I'm sharing with you guys. Um, So not only, as my bestie pointed out, I also wasn't honoring my intuition. I wasn't honoring myself and my boundaries and the signs my mind, body, and soul were repeatedly giving me, telling me the relationship wasn't a true lasting fit, I was ignoring those. And I've always, time and time and time again, I learned this lesson with every relationship. I feel like I'm pretty dang in tune with my mind and my body, and I can tell immediately. I will still give it some time and some space, but, I can, I've never been wrong. I can tell immediately if something's going to work or if it won't. And every time I override that is every time that there's ever been like heartache or complications or drama or anything. And whenever I ignore those signs is when, again, there are issues. So this is the thousandth time I've learned this lesson, but I think this is one that will stick. I have to honor and respect and listen to those signs when I know that it's just not right. But I am so wildly grateful for this whole experience, this last relationship in particular. All of my experiences in life thus far, but especially this last one was the code breaker, what I needed to clarify and to connect and to reconnect to myself and to make connections with how I've been approaching life and living life and living and approaching relationships and what I need to do and change. And this was just invaluable. I am so, so, so thankful for it. And I just have nothing but fondness and happiness when I think about it because I think of all that it brought me and the clarity that it brought me, really. It was one of the biggest clarifying moments of my entire life. And again, I will stop saying how grateful I was for it, but really I was. I had effectively yet unintentionally betrayed myself. I betrayed myself by not setting and honoring boundaries with myself and others as much as I talk about the importance of them. I betrayed myself by accepting blame that wasn't mine and that was hard to admit because I felt like that was me being selfish or unaware by saying blame wasn't mine to carry. By carrying what wasn't mine to carry, I was not being true to myself or true to that person. By not knowing and communicating and respecting my wants and needs, I was not doing right by that person or by myself. And I I realize that now. I have no problem stepping up and admitting fault and wrongdoing. And now I'm 
finally learning that it's okay to not admit fault and wrongdoing that's not yours to admit, to not accept blame that's not yours to admit just so they don't think that you're being lazy or selfish or unaware. And I'll be honest, sharing this story was tough. My default has always been to take the blame. Part of this is from my past and we won't get into that, but part of it is also because I feared if I unapologetically spoke my truth, people would think me arrogant narcissistic, self-unaware, and untrustworthy. They'd be like, oh, she's so out of touch. She's so selfish. Clearly there's another side, you know? I always felt compelled to both internally and externally step up and accept the heat, take all the blame. Then they'll know that I'm evolved. That's what evolved people do. That's what leaders do. That's what self-aware people do. But now I've realized there's more to it than that. Being self-aware and unapologetic aren't mutually exclusive. You can be both and still be an evolved person. It's okay to tell my truth untempered by self-deprecation. This doesn't mean I don't see or admit my faults. I absolutely do, trust me, more than anybody, and am forever committed to personal development. I will say that's actually one of the things I like most about myself is I will self-reflect to a fault, but I am constantly leveling with myself and looking at myself. Where can I be better? What was my role in that exchange or that relationship or this friendship or whatever the situation is? How could I have stepped up more? How can I be better? Constantly, I'm constantly asking myself this. But I'm also done with taking on what isn't mine. I'm done worrying about being or appearing selfish or unaware. Not everyone will understand me and not everyone will agree with me or my experience as I communicate it. And there are always two sides to a story, yes. But I relieve myself of the expectation to convince others and I relieve others of the expectation to validate me. All I can do is live and speak my truth and how others receive it is their business. I release it. Once it, I will speak with truth and integrity, but beyond that, I can't control it and it's not mine to control. I will continue to seek opportunities and feedback to learn and grow, but I won't lose myself in the process. I am done mistrusting myself. I'm done abandoning abandoning myself in the name of self-awareness. That's huge, I will say that again. I am done abandoning myself in the name of self-awareness. The process of honoring, loving, respecting, and empowering yourself isn't gentle, but it is transformative. It'll bring you relief like you have never experienced in your life. Earth-shattering, authentic relief, peace, well-being. I cannot emphasize those enough. And those aren't just feel-good words. I mean them with every fiber of my soul. I speak from personal experience. I have just gone through this. Ever since that post-breakup conversation with my bestie two months ago, so it's been two months, something clicked. I have been transformed. I returned to myself. I shed the shame and the guilt and the burden I'd been carrying virtually my entire life. I reclaimed my power, my truth, my love for myself and this freed me to give even more love to others. This might sound like hyperbole and might sound dramatic, but remember what I said about speaking my truth? You don't have to believe me and that's okay. But I can unequivocally say I have been utterly (laughs) euphoric. I have been flooded with happiness, gratitude, acceptance, and peace consistently, like second to second. I, like following that breakup and that conversation with my best friend, I would wake, this is no lie, with a giant smile on my face. 
even at 4 a.m. when I would get ready for work. And it did not stop until I easily drifted off to sleep that night. I just felt calm and at peace. I had more patience, more clarity, more brain power. It actually concerned me at first, actually. I'm like, this isn't right. Why am I so at peace with this? I just got dumped. I should be going through the feelings right now. How can I feel on top of the world? Okay, I'm a sociopath. Something's wrong. (laughs) My sister was like, are you a little concerned that you're not more thrown by this breakup? But no, I, I felt so just right. Everything just felt clear and right. And I felt stable and at peace. And I thought, surely this is a false high. I mean, this is part of the healing process, right? This is the calm before the storm just a delayed processing of emotions and I'll probably crash in a few days, right? This is like the denial phase of the grieving process. And yet, no, nope, no crash. I'm still consistently riding cloud nine. I feel so whole. I feel so good. I feel so strong and empowered. And now when I have people asking me out, I just feel Like I'm coming from such a place of strength. Like I'm not consumed with, okay, well, I I need to make sure that I'm enough for them. And I don't want to like paint this incorrectly. It's not like I was desperately and pathetically thinking that before. Like I still had self-confidence and I still had self-love. But this time I'm just like, no, like I will not settle or go for anything that doesn't align with me or fit with my wants or my needs and not that there's anything wrong with this person it's not like oh they're just not making the cut they're just not good enough no it just isn't a good fit and I won't settle for anything that's not a good fit and I've always been happy and grateful overall but this since the last in the last few months it's just been different I feel so stable so solid so fulfilled and I credit this coming back to myself honoring and respecting myself in every way even if it inconveniences others, even if it disagrees with others, this doesn't mean I won't honor and respect them too. I mean, that's part of being a good human, but it's not all about me and getting mine. I mean, it's not all about me and getting mine is what I mean to say, Um, but it's about also ensuring I don't lose myself in the process of accommodating others. And essentially it comes down to taking responsibility for ourselves, for our own well-being, for our actions, for our reactions, for our beliefs, for our thoughts, for our wants and our needs, for our voids, for our validation, for our truth, for our potential. We're all capable of being toxic. None of us are perfect. I've been the villain in the story before. Nobody always gets it right. Not one person is 100% innocent 100% of the time. We all have bangs and bruises, some more severe than others, that can continue to impact our life and others if we let them. Life might have dealt us a hard hand, some tougher than others. Sure, it's important to grant ourselves grace and empathy. However, comprehensive self-love extends beyond that. Our response, our healing is on us, so we don't bleed onto others. And I came across a quote from Lion of the Stars, and it says, To heal your wounds is one of the most powerful expressions of self-love. And yes, I found this after I wrote this blog post and it aligns perfectly. Yes, captures it. And I also realized it's not my job to fix others. And let's be honest, to think that it is, is actually, though well-intentioned, 
arrogant and disrespectful to them, their journey and their capabilities. Again, we're each responsible for ourselves. I will be the best friend, partner, family member, and human I can be, but I must honor my limits and boundaries. I am done carrying what's not mine. Gosh, that's so freeing, liberating, lightening, exhilarating. And if I truly want to help others and contribute to the highest good, the best things I can do are continue to self-reflect and love myself. However, self-reflection and self-healing can also be a slippery slope I have skidded down most of my life. So solely seeing myself as perpetually needing healing contributed to my broken self-concept, allowing me to so easily fall into the relationship dynamics I did. So now I see it less as healing and more as evolving, growing, opening, manifesting, aligning, awakening. Loving ourselves is accepting ourselves, our incongruences, our oddities, our flaws our quirks, our layers. We have so many layers. We're complex beings. Loving ourselves includes accepting ourselves, but not sliding into complacency or self-denial. Loving ourselves is accepting ourselves while becoming the best version of ourselves, doing right by us while doing right by others. Both the lighter and heavier sides of self-care aren't intended to be one and done. Fortunately and, and unfortunately, I mean, I think it's important to learn to enjoy the process. So you can see this as a negative or a positive. I choose to see it as a positive. There are maintenance measures intended to be repeated. It's a journey, a process, an awakening. As long as we keep living, we gotta keep at it and keep loving. So here is to cherishing ourselves, accepting compliments, owning our strengths, honing our growth areas, not healing areas, growth areas, respecting our boundaries, speaking well of ourselves, and it doesn't matter if other people think we're arrogant for doing so. We don't need to be full of ourselves, but being full of ourselves isn't the same as loving ourselves. How about fueling ourselves, fueling our bodies, our minds, our souls, prioritizing ourselves, giving and receiving love because we deserve it. Okay, that's what I got. I love myself and I love you so dang much. Thank you for listening to this. I. Truly, 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 truly appreciate it because for you to take the time to listen means that you care. You care about yourself. You care about others. You care about this. Thank you. I love you. 